Hello and welcome to the Go Back podcast, our finale of the General Assembly 2022. It's the last day of term, so board games out, heads down, thumbs up. I am the Reverend Sarah Ross of East Kilbride Moncrief, whose theme song, Should I Be Allowed One, would have to be Here She Comes Again. In fact, the moderator of the General Assembly said to me first thing, with a large smile, so you have returned again. Slightly flummoxed, I said, well, I am a good girl, occasionally. Honestly, Sarah. I'm not even sure how to follow that. I'm the Reverend Stuart Cutler. I'm at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. And I'm always a good boy. Our theme today is the holiday bag. Holidays are often times of reflection and studies show that often the life-changing decisions are made whilst we are on holiday as we look back and look forward. So quite often it's the time when we choose to change jobs or to change habits or take on things like the marathon. Our Facebook group, when asked for essential items to pack, offered this must-have list. Sellotape and a book of stamps, aloe vera and plasters, sunglasses and raincoat, chargers, talc and towels for those beach holidays, an ultimate disc, bit curious about that one, always a book, several in my case, I love to read, and wherever Shauna goes, she needs bug repellent, bite cream, blister plasters and sun cream. Sounds kind of dangerous, but then perhaps all the best adventures are. Not sure how much of that list the travelling commissioners required, except definitely sunglasses and raincoats, and that's within the same 20 minutes, and of course plenty chargers. Whatever we pack, we always take home more than we went with, at least perhaps in our brains and our hearts. Some of the people that were willing to talk to me, and a few we definitely didn't want recorded, shared what they are taking home from the General Assembly. I think for me, what was really important was coming together with other people um, and seeing colleagues and seeing friends again, because the last two years have been a bit isolating and it could feel like we were all working in isolation. Whereas, you know, actually connecting with people who we've might, we might have met online, um, but not in person, that, that's been really good. And I think that sense of belonging to the wider church, I think that's what we all need right now. So what's your highlight? The report of the Committee to HM Forces by Dr Marjorie McLean. I would absolutely agree. Totally different take on the chaplains that I had never thought about before. And like Fiona, I was almost in tears at it. It was so emotional and personal and informative at the same time. And a whole new light on what the chaplain says about it as well. I think um, the I think the passion with which people have spoken um, about personal experiences. Uh, so I'm thinking of George White speaking up about the work of Crossreach and how it really came to home to him through a personal experience of his family member um, and of the um, person presenting the report about the military chaplains and the, the experience that she had. So personal passion coming through many of the hybrid thing is that it's much cooler in here this year than it has been for years. We're much less crammed in. You can get a seat. The queue in the rainy halls down to about half an hour for a sandwich. But actually, it works. You know, I think the hybrid thing works and I, I, I'm not frightened of it. And uh, I'm a bit frightened of any notion that we should return to doing it the old way. I'm old enough 
my first general assemblies were as a journalist in the old wooden benches. Uh, you can see pictures of it down in the in the quad if you want to look at them. And we don't want to go back. We can't go back. Go forward. I think it works. It's still working, but it has to change. Problems, however small, are often magnified. So much so that a conversation about hybrid meetings broke out, prompted by a counter motion. It was interesting how the myriad of benefits of enabling a variety of modes of participation stacked up against, well, the minor inconvenience of having to wait a couple of seconds to confirm a vote or for someone to be found and unmuted. I'm sure we spent just as much time waiting for microphones in the hall to be turned on, or bits of video or slides to be found, or indeed for people to come back on time from the coffee break. I think for hybrid meetings to work we need to start out with the understanding that joining online is not second best, and especially the idea that we are all accommodating each other. The final conversation of the Assembly was perhaps appropriately about a standing order. Standing order number 35. Of course you'll all know that's the standing order that says how many youth representatives can attend General Assembly. It's one per presbytery plus 10 additional youth representatives. With the reduction in the number of presbyteries, the unintended consequence has been, well, to potentially reduce significantly the number of youth representatives, and nobody wants that. So that will be sorted. But it flags something I think is important. And given that I didn't speak about anything during the Assembly, I'm going to take the chance to say it now. Sometimes, when change happens, there are unintended consequences, but sometimes the consequences are, well, obvious. The Church has made people under 40 a priority. Why? Well, because there's not very many of them around. It's a loss that we recognise. At the same time as making younger adults a priority, the Central Church has drastically cut the provision it makes for people in that age group. The last time I was at General Assembly, I think three years ago, the Youth Assembly was axed. To be replaced, we were told, by two regional events focused on faith formation, if there was enough money. That was the actual deliverance. In brackets, if there's enough money. I've never seen that before or since. And looking back, I should have noticed. Because when I stood up to suggest that axing of the Youth Assembly should be delayed for a year, it fell foul of the other standing order, the one that says it's not in the budget and so you can't add it. Those two events never happened, partly because of COVID. But, and it comes as no surprise to me, and perhaps I'm just cynical, but they were never actually budgeted for. And there's no budget for them now, going forward. They say that your priorities are exposed by where you spend your money. We discovered in the hybrid debate that we had saved around £64,000 in accommodation and travel expenses just by enabling just over 100 people to attend virtually. The budget for the last Youth Assembly was £20,000. So now there's a group exploring how to engage better with people under 40. I'll send them a report that I was part of writing a few years ago for the United Reformed Church and the one that we copied that was written for the Methodist Church a few years before that. So may I be so bold to suggest that it's not rocket science. Firstly, you decide to do it. Actually decide. It's a bit like dieting or giving up smoking or becoming vegan or starting to run. You have to decide. Like really decide. But the second part's a bit harder. Then you have to do it. This bit obviously is more tricky. You 
mostly involves listening to people and responding to their needs, you have to go and talk to people. People who might not think you have anything they need or anything to offer them. And you have to really listen to them and get to know them. And then together with them, you do something to meet their needs. But that might, no, actually, it absolutely will mean change. It might mean that those who have enjoyed a privileged position in the church are asked to give that up, to make space for other people, just as other people did for them when they were young. Speaking of being young, my highlight of the online experience happened today during the coffee break for the Zoom commissioners. We were treated to a small child's most precious toy as she sat with her daddy during the coffee break. And then a soup dragon and a clanger that someone's mum had knitted them. And then to a plethora of toys and the stories that went with them. Why they were important to the people who had them. And it was brilliant. A fantastically beautiful moment of openness and humanity where we all became like children again. Something that could never have happened if we were all in the rainy hall queuing for coffee. Finally, they say confession is good for the soul. And the moderator was full of confessions this afternoon. He admitted in his closing sermon to being a big fan of the airplane movies and to being a Partick Thistle fan. He also confessed that he is a follower of Jesus. He encouraged us to be able to say that same thing out loud and say it with pride because that's where mission begins, with that confession. But finally, finally, George White, who was retiring as Principal Clark, spoke eloquently of his thoughts and reflections on where we've been and where we might be going. At the heart of his speech were two questions. What is God wanting to do now? And how does he want us to do it? He looked back at our history, charting the ups and downs of our disruptions and agreements and noted this. Behind my chair, between me and Fife in the office, there's one of these burly bookcases that was once belonging to Jim Weatherhead's dad. We recycle things on the fourth floor. It contains the blue books, the volume threes of the General Assemblies since the war. I have occasion to refer to them from time to time. And if I was to give you a brief critique of what is written there is that we have had a couple of tendencies, we in the Church of Scotland. One is that we seem to be too often looking back off the pace. I know this will astonish you, but that's the insight of my analysis. We have not had the wisdom of King Canute about the impossibility of turning the tide back. So we railed against the changes in the common life, which we resented, but which we were powerless to stop. And the other note is this, and maybe it's just how it comes across in blue books. But sometimes we were not a very humble church. We can be a bit precious about our place in the scheme of things. We were king of the castle in white Protestant Scotland. And even once that castle was knocked down, we have been too often drawn to the grand utterance and the lofty letter writing to those in power. Any group which lacks humility doesn't listen and doesn't learn, either to the God who might have new plans or to the neighbour who might have new needs, new questions, or heaven forbid, new insights.
Those two questions feel like a good place to end this assembly. What is God wanting to do now? How does he want us to do it? I hope we find out. And find out soon. If you were to look at my notebook that I had with me, which is actually an old school jotter, you'll find it would make no sense. It jumps around all over the place with no apparent sense of order. And at times the General Assembly felt like that, very disjointed and indeed fractured. There were, of course, standout moments that somehow were the ones that were more self-contained, say like the friendship declaration between the Roman Catholic Church and ourselves. Something I never knew as an issue until I moved into ministry in Lanarkshire and was asked if I would marry a couple from different religions. Puzzled, I asked which religions to be told Protestant and Catholic. The best day of the General Assembly, though not in its entirety, was Wednesday, as I heard again and again, even from those not recorded. It was a glimpse of the kingdom as it is. A contribution from the public gallery reminded us all that the General Assembly does not operate in a vacuum, even if the contribution wasn't Presbyterian enough. And a counter-motion at the use of hybrid gave the opportunity for the General Assembly to truly comprehend a new future, even if we don't quite know what that future looks like. Dotted throughout the General Assembly were formal and informal moments of joy, patience, peace, hope, courage, laughter and love. There were divine interruptions, not least through the Edinburgh Wi-Fi crash. Friendships blossomed and reunions happened. Incompetency turned to competency and another long-awaited milestone reached. As someone incredibly passionate over mission renewal and regeneration, the Faith Action Programme and D10 report seemed to somehow go off the rails or maybe just missed the mark. The enthusiasm figure and its launch, lost in some poorly chosen words and visual aids, hiding the nuggets within. My bag, labelled Ministry, is heavy with the multifaceted responsibilities it carries. The bag is never empty, the work is never done, and coming back from holiday, and we all know we'll be asked how our holiday in Edinburgh was, the work has merely waited for us. But like the nets loaded with fish in the story that the moderator shared earlier this week, my bag hasn't broken. Jesus said that his burden was light. Maybe once we have rested, reflected and reread, we might be ready to craft new bags, for new ministries and mission. Thank you for the support, the encouragement and the contributions and thank you to Stuart for being an awesome co-host and all the editing that he has done. And we will be back, well, at least the podcast will be, just not sure who will be carrying the bag. God bless you in your travels and remember... Cast all your bags and anxieties onto him, for he cares for you. I'm signing off for now, but I can be found at East Kilbride Moncrief, social media, or the usual ministry hotspots. And you can find me at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok yet, really must do that. It's been brilliant to have your company. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast. God bless and we'll see you soon.